Kayan brings an offering to God, and his brother Hebel follows suit, brings an offering of his own, which is accepted by God. Kayan's offering is rejected, and as a result, he's depressed and crestfallen. Before the episode spirals into murder, God gives Kayan a message. This is Bereshit Dalad Zion, so Genesis 4, 7. And it reads, Halo im tetiv seit, v'im lo tetiv, lapetach chatat rovets, ve'lecha teshukato, v'yata timshal bo. So, uh, it's almost saying, behold, if you improve, that will be sufficient, it will be enough. In other words, you'll be forgiven. But if you don't improve, at the door, mistakes will rest. And to you will be its, or his desire. And you, Timshal Bo, will rule over it, or can rule over it. So the first part of the message uh, is the novel idea that God grants man the power to completely erase previous mistakes. The Radak comments on uh, the previous Pasuk and explains this, but you know, perhaps you might have the uh, reasonable uh, contention that if a person makes an error, there's really no way to remedy it. That they are so to speak. They, uh, they have disgraced and are, might be obligated with their life. There's no repair. But God comes to Kayan and gives him this message. No, you can't improve, you can't engage in Teshuvah. But I also want to focus on this uh, kind of final clause here. Because Ve'lecha Teshukato Tim Shalbo, to you is his desire and, and you can rule over it, is strikingly similar to a verse we had in the previous uh, chapter when it describes the punishment that uh, God gives to, uh, to Chava. And it reads as follows in uh, Perik uh, Gimel, Pasuk Tet Zion 3.16. El Ha'isha Amar, to the woman, uh, he said, Harbe Arbe, Itzivonech I will significantly increase your uh, sorrow and your pregnancy. Be'etzev tel divanim, in pain you will uh, have, you will bear children. Ve'alishech teshukatech, and to your husband will be your desire, vehu yimshal bach, and he will rule over you. So again, ve'lecha teshukatova tatim shal bo in our Pasuk in 4.7, and then ve'alishech teshukatech, vehu yimshal bach, is the phrasing in, uh, in uh, Breshi 3.16. So I'm troubled a little bit. What exactly is the connection between these two phrases? At first glance, there doesn't appear to be any obvious link. So Sadigon addresses the connection in the context of explaining the ideas really contained in the Kain and Hevel episode. And he reads as follows, He lists a series of subjects, uh, ideas that we learn. The second concept, So the second concept is the subject of free will, and reshut, I guess, is you know, literally permission, but here I think it means a certain degree of autonomy which is given to man. And that is what was stated, and to you will be its desire. And this is illustrated by what was stated to Chava, and to your husband will be your desire. 
just like it is given to man the ability to hatot means like to turn influence uh, literally to sway at haisha the woman they to know as uh, according to his will kach so too natan libne adam et hakach lahatot et machshavotam letovah leraah so too is given to people, human beings, the power to sway their thoughts, either to good or to uh, evil. Kirtanam, according to their will. The fikach, and therefore it says uh, later in Dvarim, uh, Behold, I give before you this day et, uh, et et right? that you have the choice between life or death, and you should choose life. So, Sadigon describes an analogy that uh, is made between the two Pesukim. Just as man is given the ability to influence the woman after they're banished from the Garden of Eden, so too man is similarly given the ability to influence his thoughts. So an interesting relationship is being described according to Sadegon regarding man's relationship with his thoughts and feelings. He's not given total control over his inner world, but he can influence it at a distance. This is apparently part of the message God gives to Cain. It may be saying it's difficult to instantly change how you feel about a situation, but you can guide your own perspective and your attitude over time. So Rav Hirsch offers, I think, a similar approach and connects these, and this is just an excerpted version. He talks about it a little bit more at length. Here he writes the following, quote, Moreover, a few verses earlier in the previous chapter above, we find the very same expressions in a similar sentence. And to your husband will be your desire, and he will rule over you. A description of a woman's relationship with her husband. Thus, the relationship between man and sensuality resembles the relationship between husband and wife. Man should be ready to draw sensuality near and to form, together with it, one personality. He must freely rule over his sensuality and, with its help, achieve every noble aim. For this reason, Scripture draws an analogy between these two relationships, and sensuality is compared to a woman. Accordingly, it is possible that our verse means this, whether you will accept sensuality for good or for bad, for this purpose sensuality waits at the door. Its intense longing is toward you, that you should master it. And he continues, uh, the basic meaning of mashal, right, mashal, that shorish mem shin lamed, is to express the essence of something, to state its nature and purpose. By extension, mashal means to rule. A, rule or a ruler or moshel directs everyone as to what he is to be and to do. Thus, mashal is not synonymous with kovesh, which means to force, to subjugate. Rather, the primary meaning of mashal is to guide and to lead. End quote. So that's, uh, that's Rav Hirsch's commentary on this section. And he offers a clarification about the internal dynamics and the analogy to the dynamics between husband and wife. One can work together with his or her personality. The ideal is not necessarily to conquer or subjugate our tendencies, but to guide and sublimate them towards higher aims. Jonathan Haidt, an eminent social psychologist, offers a useful analogy for man's struggle to navigate and negotiate his personality. He describes that, quote, the mind is divided into parts that sometimes conflict. Like a rider on the back of an elephant, the conscious reasoning part of the mind has only limited control of what the elephant does, end quote. 
So there have been many historical attempts from philosophers to psychologists to try to describe the competing forces within the human personality. But what's compelling about Haidt's particular metaphor is the quantity of power given to man's higher or rational forces compared with his other natural impulses. And as a result, the implied, what you might describe as the delicate and subtle approach necessary to really effectuate change. Success is not necessarily about pitting one force against another directly. Such an attempt can be futile, frustrating, and ultimately hopeless. Rather, just as the rider naturally guides the elephant, shaping where it decides to go over time, so too we have the ability to shape the development of our personality over time. So in summary, after Kind makes an error, God gives him a specific message. Don't overestimate your capabilities and the level you are at. Right? It can't instantly make changes. Indeed, the possibility of making mistakes is always there. But don't underestimate yourself either. While change is not instantaneous or easy, profound and significant change always remains possible.